Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Knowles over there. So this is Stuff You Should Know. Yeah. The web edition. Yeah. We've heard of the web. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I want to point out there's a, a work party going on. This is how dedicated we are. Right outside our door. People are out there drinking and eating and having a good time. and Drinking alcohol. We're just in here working. Free alcohol. Yep. Even Noel's over there eating right in front of us. Yeah, he is. Thanks, <laughs> Noel, for that, because it's making it a lot easier. So, um, Chuck. Yes. Have you heard of Anonymous? I have indeed. I have heard of Anonymous as well because, uh, you know, I read the, the newspaper and things like that. You're a hip-happening guy. <laughs> yeah, super. Um, but I didn't understand really in any way how Anonymous actually worked until researching this episode. Yeah, very interesting. I think we should say we're not experts here. No. Probably going to get some stuff wrong. Sure. Let's just hope it's a little, like, mostly right rather than maybe like the Sun episode. We're sorry in advance, Anonymous. Yeah, right. Please don't, come after <laughs> don't take take your ire out on us. I think uh, we're in, uh, uh, in good shape, actually. I read um, one of their key characteristics uh-huh. uh, is that they don't talk about the group, they don't dis- disclose their own identity, right. and they don't attack the media. Typically, they don't. There was actually a, an attack carried out by an anonymous offshoot named Lulzsec that... Um, I, I guess you could call it an attack of the Frontline, PBS's Frontline website. Oh, really? Yeah, they they that. posted a fake news story that said Tupac was alive and well in New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know if that really constitutes an attack. I yeah. guess technically it does, but that that did get some people in the media a little little nervous. Sure. Like, oh, is the media now fair game? But I think, yeah, for the most part, we're media, if we're anything, right? I think, A, we have some listeners who are anons which is what anonymous members are called. You think so? Absolutely. You're probably right. Not a doubt in my mind. And I think they're going to love this because they like press. They like, you know, headlines. And they like for people to know what they're doing. Even though they, they are in the shadows as far as their identities, they are they fully claim what they do and stand behind what they do. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's pretty smart to keep their identities anonymous sure. because... There are a lot of federales after anybody who does any kind of uh, computer crime these days. Yeah. And the laws are really draconian and really strict and really disproportionately um, tough. Yes. And the government uses some of the same tactics that Anonymous uses to go after people in Anonymous, which... uh, Which, as we'll see, really ticks Anonymous off. Yeah. They think they're big, fat hypocrites, basically. Yeah. And they have a pretty decent case in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, Chuckers, um, I guess let's start at the beginning. Yeah, I don't want to do that deal where people are like, you never even said what Anonymous was. Right. So Anonymous is a group of hacktivists. Yes. Hacker activists. That term was coined, I think, in uh, either 1994 or 1996 by a Cult of the Dead Cow member, which was an early hackers group. They really kind of set the stage in the 80s and 90s of what computer hackers and actually telephone hackers initially are meant to do. And and the idea is that um, freedom of speech and, and the uh, freedom of information is sacrosanct. It yeah. should not be messed with. And people who do mess with it deserve to be messed with themselves. But even that contains rules. 
Yeah, and uh, they are, they've been described as everything from a collective um, to a, uh, a shape-shifting subculture, that's what Miko Hiponen called them, mm-hmm. or Barrett Brown, a Texas journalist, said uh, they're, what they really are is a series of relationships. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's all very secretive. It's not, and we'll get into this more, but it's not an organization and where they go and meet every week with a president and a treasurer, <laughs> right. and uh, they wear their Guy Fawkes masks, and they get together and decide what to do next. Right, which makes them really, really, really difficult to take on sure. if you're a centralized body like the U.S. federal government. Absolutely. Because really, an, uh, what Anonymous is, is an idea and a concept, and there's an ever-shifting group of people yeah. that come in and out of it. And the whole idea is pretty simple. If somebody sees a wrong going on somewhere in the world, and the person carrying out that wrong can be gotten to via the internet, Mm -hmm. then they go and they try to rally the troops. And if enough people say, you know what, you're right, that is messed up and we should do something about it, Mm -hmm. that that idea will have enough support that what happens is Anonymous ends up carrying out an op, an operation against that target, and there you go. Those people may never join together again for another operation, that that operation may end up becoming an even larger operation. It's totally unpredictable, and it's completely fluid. And that means that if you bust some people, which the U.S. government has done plenty of times, there's going to be tons of other people to come take their place. Yeah, you, you can't kill Anonymous. No. Uh, and what might happen is everything from... Uh Something a little more lighthearted, like taking over your website and replacing the banners with your own messages yeah. to uh, completely disabling uh, your website altogether so no one can even uh, access it. Uh, the, a writer named Brian Kelly said there are three key characteristics of the group. Uh, one, an unrelenting moral stance on issues and rights, regardless of direct provocation. So in other words, it's not like someone's messing with Anonymous, so they're going to fight back. In fact, it rarely is. It's usually... You know, like Westboro Baptist Church or Scientology, right? Uh, and that's that. I don't know that that's that covers all of Anonymous. There's long, almost from the beginning, there's long been fractures in the group, sure, between people who just want lulls, which is like entertaining yourself at other people's expense, basically, yeah, trolling people just to mess with them for laughs, whatever, yeah, and others who say, no, we've got a really uh, powerful wep- weapon here. The internet is serious business, and we need to go. Um, we need to use it for like moral crusades, basically. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, a physical presence that accompanies the online hacking. So don't just stop at like disabling someone's website, but get out in the streets with those Guy Fox masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen the movie V for Vendetta, uh, or you know anything about uh, the fifth of November. You know the mask that I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, and actually, that mask being used by Anonymous goes back even beyond uh, V for Vendetta, actually. Yeah. There was a meme called, um, "Fail," I think, Epic Fail Guy. Yeah. And he was a meme. It was like a stick figure wearing the Guy Fawkes mask. And everywhere he went, he just screwed everything up. It's a cool mask. Yeah. So they were like, we'll use that mask. And number three, a distinctive brand, which, uh, you know, is that Guy Fawkes mask. I mean, they're great at branding. Yeah, you know, for sure. That and the and the the suit and tie with a question mark in place of a head is uh, one of their logos, which it's is a great, great logo. Yeah. And what is their uh, what is their their log line? We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us. Yeah. That's a little creepy. 
It is a little creepy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're scaring. Uh, they're scaring people who, and I'm not scared. But if you're doing something wrong, then you should be scared. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And a lot of people will say, well, no, actually, there's, um, you know, Anonymous will come after you even if you didn't do anything really wrong. Um, that's not necessarily true. There are, like, offshoots that sure. have, you know, come and gone that, that do believe much more in mayhem and stuff like that. But when you think of Anonymous these days, typically you do think of there is some sort of moral aspect dimension to the yeah. the thing that's being carried out. And it depends on what your definition of right and wrong is too. Because sure. clearly a lot of people think that they're uh anarchists that should be jailed mm-hmm. uh, and throw away the key. There's other people that think, no, you know what, they're they're taking on the immoral corporate uh, giants, uh not just corporate giants that are doing really bad things right. behind closed doors. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Oh, it's super interesting. Should we take a break? Oh, sure. All right, let's take a break, and we'll uh, dig in a little bit more right after this. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, we want to alert you to what we're going to call a podcasting event. An event like the moon landing, but for podcasting, basically. That's right. It's a new podcast from GE Podcast Theater in Panoply called The Message. It's an eight-episode series that's pretty much going to blow your scientific mind. Yep. The message follows the story of Nikki Tomlin, a PhD in linguistics from the University of Chicago, who follows a team of cryptologists at a research think tank called Cypher. These researchers are trying to decode a message that was received from outer space 70 years ago. It's going to be pretty awesome. Man, that's amazing. And if you want to subscribe, and you should, just go to iTunes, look it up, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. We'll be doing that, won't we? That's right. Available now wherever you get podcasts, including iTunes. GE Podcast Theaters, The Message. Learning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you so, Chuck, let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Because sure. this whole idea of, like, you know, we are legion, we do not forget, we do not forgive, expect us, that's a pretty far cry from how Anonymous ended up starting, right? Yeah. So there's this site um, called 4chan. 4chan has all sorts of what are called image boards, right? Yeah, it was uh, created in 2003 by a 15-year-old yeah. named Christopher Poole. And Christopher Poole's whole thing was like, I want to have a place on the Internet that's totally censor-free. And anonymous. Yes. No self-censorship. No, There's nobody in charge. There's no rules. There's no nothing like that. Um, it is just whatever you want to post, whatever you want to say. You want to troll somebody, troll them. And it's it's... It's all, let's just not take things too seriously, shall we? Yeah. But let's also see how far we can push other people to take things seriously. And, um, so 4chan uh, attracted a, a certain kind of, um, netizen, I guess, pretty quickly off the bat. And this one, this one image board in particular, um, B slash B slash, it's like, uh, 4chan.org slash B slash. It's the random board. Yeah. So it's whatever. Um, People started kind of congregating there and finding that um, they, they all shared this kind of like uh, desire to mess with people. Yeah. And then Anonymous sort of evolved out of that because uh, there were some people saying, you know what, let's step this up a notch and let's not just goof off and have fun. Let's actually let's actually try and accomplish something for good. 
Yeah, and again, that caused take a, somebody down. That caused a riff, like right from the beginning, because some of the people were like, "No, originally we were doing this for fun." There was this thing called the uh, Hebo Hotel, which is basically like a kind of a weird Second Life hangout mm-hmm. that they went and infiltrated and, and just populated um, with characters that would like block the pool or basically just like shut down the site, take it over, yeah, just to mess with people. And it was fun; they were having fun doing it, just screwing with people and other people said um no let's use this for good and that actually kind of came accidentally out of messing with a guy named hal turner you heard of him uh hal turner of the coney island turners right yeah so hal turner was this um extraordinarily racist radio host and he um got pranked by some of the original 4chan message board members right Uh Uh, he was getting like prank calls or whatever, and he recorded the calls and somehow got the data and um, re- published it on his site or released it to his fans and said, hey, why don't you guys go figure out who these people are? Yeah. And they figured out some of them, including some underage message board members whose parents' addresses were posted now on this virulently racist radio host's um, website. Yeah. And so uh, the people from 4chan said, take that down. And he said, No. They said, okay, well, that was your one warning. Wow. And they went to town on this guy. And by yeah. the time they were done with Hal Turner, um, he so was off the air. Mets. He was off the air um, and in prison for, I think, a couple of years. For what? For threatening federal judges. They yeah. basically went and found like all these emails and stuff and just published everything, including like his home address, all this stuff. They took like his tactic and just turned it on him right. a million times over. And that was the one where people said, hey... We just did something really good. We just got a racist radio host off the air. That was thrilling. We should use our stuff for good. And again, some people said, no, we're just in it for the lulls. Other people said, no, we should do this morally. And then even other people said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you guys doing? Like, that guy had a right to free speech and you just drove him off the air. How can you possibly be proud of that? Yeah. The prong that said, no, there was some good moral dimension to what we just did, using our computing skills for good. What we determine is good, um, is, is, that's the direction we should go. And it kind of took off from there and was supported by the operation against Scientology. Yeah, that came along in uh, 2008. That was one of their first big, uh, ops. Uh, it's called uh, Chanology. <laughs> and basically what they came across was a video, um, that we've, well, I was about to say we've all seen. I've Every, seen it. Because everybody's seen it. I'm video. obsessed with Scientology. Yeah. But uh, Tom, the famous Tom Cruise video where he's, um, oh, he's sort of just rambling and he seems a little crazy and kooky and he's mm-hmm. talking about Scientology and it got out there and Scientology said, um, not very smartly, like, we want to remove this from the Internet, which is impossible. Right. Can't do that because it's 2008 at the time. But they were doing a pretty good job of it, apparently. Eh, I saw it. And this was before the Chanology op. Right. So they were trying to get it down, and um, Anonymous basically said, you know what, no, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to attack your website. We're going to get your everything about Scientology off the Internet. We're going to, um, what's it called, a DDoS attack. Right, a distributed denial of service attack, which is kind of key to an anonymous op. Um, they attacked Google um, with a Google bomb for Scientology. So if you typed in dangerous cult, it directed you to the Scientology website. Right. They had 
hundreds and hundreds of pizzas ordered and sent to Scientology offices worldwide. Have you heard of black faxes? Yeah, they sent them jet black faxes so they would just run out of ink. Right, over and over again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which all, you know, those are all pretty silly little harmless um, <clears throat> pranks. The Scientologists uh, didn't take it that way. No, they weren't happy. In fact, I think they went to the FBI. And they said, did. You need to look into these people. Right. And so we have to we have to pause here for a second and point something out. One, um, with both the Hal Turner op and Project Chanology, a lot of people say like, "Oh man, they went after this um, this racist uh, radio host and got him off the air." Yeah. Or they went after Scientology, which is a roundly hated cult, and and tried to drive them out of business. And the idea is it just stops there. But if you go a little further, both of those operations were based on infractions by the offending parties against the Internet. Hal Turner posted underage 4chan users' parents' addresses on his website and wouldn't take it down. Yeah. That's a rule broken. That's why they went after him. Scientology, they tried to censor the Internet. And Anonymous thinks of the Internet as like their Internet. They're the cops of the Internet as far as they're concerned. Right. And the Internet is not to be messed with, and they protect it like that. Um, And so when Scientology tried to take that video down and was trying to sue people who kept it up, that was... That was censorship of the Internet. That's why Anonymous went after the Internet. But again, just like the Hal Turner operation, the the um, Project Chanology thing took on this moral dimension. And Anonymous was called upon to, by um, a guy named Mark Bunker, who was already a, an ardent critic of Scientologists. And he said, why don't you guys like use your 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 what you're doing for legal, productive ways? Right. And so Anonymous called for actual physical protests of Scientology's churches around the world. Yeah, and I think now that's that's become one of their their hallmarks. It's why they want to pair the hacktivist activity mm-hmm. with a physical presence. Right. And a YouTube video which says, "Have you ever seen those?" Sure, yeah. They're creepy and awesome. They are. They're really well done. <laughs> it look it's it just the whole thing is like very Mr. Robot-esque. Right, and with every with every video that they release, with every operation, they release a video ahead of time saying what's going to happen, what's going down, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's very smart to do that because number one, um, they're they're taking account, they're showing that they're accountable for their actions, they're taking accountability for it. Uh-huh. But also, it keeps them from being scapegoated, and it keeps other people from uh, claiming uh, their work. Sure, you know, yeah. In 2010, with Operation Payback, um, they realized, they found out that MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal said, we're going to stop, you won't be able to donate to WikiLeaks using our services anymore. Right. We're going to shut that down. Which, in and of itself, they figured was bad. Yeah. But as evidence, they went and found, like, um, skinhead websites that you could still donate to using those three mechanisms. But you couldn't donate to WikiLeaks. They were like, okay, that's messed up. Yeah. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shut you guys down. Yeah. And they did. It was a cyber attack, and they uh, disabled the homepages of Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal, and, um, you know, gloated. They had their own special little smarmy messages back, Mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, there are some things WikiLeaks can't do. For everything else, there's Operation Payback. Yeah. And so, like I said before, with um, with an anonymous op, like, people may disband and never work together on another one, or your operation may grow to include even more stuff. And Operation Payback is a really good example of the latter of those two. Yeah. It started out because um, at some point, the United States government hired an Indian firm, an Indian software firm, um, 
to launch DDoS attacks on these two sites, Mega Upload yeah. and Pirates Bay. Sure. And um, shut them down, basically. And both of those are file sharing sites, typically illegal file sharing sites. Yeah. And so the U.S. government was using these same tactics, DDoS uh, attacks, that they were also prosecuting the hackers and Anonymous for using. Right. But the, they were using it with impunity, and that really ticked Anonymous off. And yeah. we should also say what a DDoS is, right? So, Chuck, it's basically it's taking when you contact a website, when you go to a website, you're contacting its server to request all the information on the page. Yeah. If a bunch of people do that at once, the server becomes overloaded, and the people who legitimately want to use the site can't get in, or the server becomes so overloaded the site crashes. Shut it down. Right. So one of Anonymous's key tactics is to do a distributed denial of service where a bunch of people are doing that all at once, hitting the site to overload it. Yeah. And then there's even software called the Low Orbit Ion Cannon, which anybody can go download and use. And you type in a URL, and this thing like really hits a, a site uh, like it's like a bunch of people all at once hitting it with just this one computer. Um, we should say that you can be prosecuted, and many people have been prosecuted and sentenced yeah, yeah. to jail just for using that. Yeah, not unless you're the U.S. government. <laughs> Again, but that's what set off Operation Payback was that the government was using these this same tactic that they were prosecuting other people for. Yeah, and uh, because they didn't want any confusion, um, and for people to say. Oh, yeah, well, they clearly just want to download movies for free and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They have their YouTube video where they're like, no, that's not why we're doing this. Right. We're doing that because you guys are using the same tactics tactics that you're prosecuting us for or other people for. Exactly. And so Operation Payback then, at at about that time, they found out about the WikiLeaks stop payment from um, PayPal and uh, MasterCard and Visa, and they they extended it even further. Yeah, Um, PayPal said it cost them five and a half million bucks. Yeah. Which is... A small dent in PayPal, but still, it's, you know. No, it is substantial. The idea, though, um, there's this really great uh, documentary that's f- that's available for free on Anonymous's official YouTube channel. We Are Legion? I haven't seen that one. This one's called The Story of Anonymous. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, it's very straightforward, and it's got a lot of the, uh, the people who were involved in the early days. Um, and I think it goes up to, like, 2011 or 12. Um but it's definitely worth watching. But it interviews this kid who downloaded the low orbit ion cannon and engaged in um, Project Chanology against Scientology, right? And the FBI came to his door and arrested him. And he got like he's he, he I think he got like time served, so he didn't actually have to serve prison time. Yeah. But he was um, like he wasn't allowed near a computer for twelve months, or else he would be arrested. Um, and it, it was a really bizarre punishment considering that he was just requesting the Church of Scientology's website for its information to it, to the nth degree. Right. But that was it. He didn't make any threats. He didn't order any pizzas. He didn't do anything. And when you, when you think of the other term for, uh, DDoS attacks, they're called virtual sit-ins. It really kind of drives home the idea that this is a form of protest that's being harshly, harshly punished. By the federal government in the U.S., yeah, which is really strange. Like, um, there's a, a Wired article written by a guy named Tor Eklund, who's a very famous lawyer for these kinds of cases, and um, it's called "America Must End Its Paranoid War on Hackers." And he really kind of lays it out there, like, here's what's going on. Yeah. Like, most people don't realize this, but there's a there's an untoward amount of punishment being leveled 
at people who are protesting stuff legitimately by using things like DDoS attacks. Yeah. And they're going to prison for like 10 years for this stuff. Yeah. And that's messed up, says Tor Eklund. And I agree. I agree, too. Uh, some of the other things they've done, uh, we mentioned Westboro Baptist Church, um, which... Uh, a lot of people just say is a hate group in disguise as a church. I think it's labeled that by by the government as such. Oh, as a hate group? I think so. Well, they would like take over their website and put uh, messages of peace and tolerance, yeah. which uh, probably really rankled them. Uh, they would pose as uh, young girls online to lure in sexual predators mm-hmm. and then send that information to the police uh, to expose uh, pedophiles. Uh, what else have they done? Uh, well, they were instrumental in the Arab Spring. Yeah. They basically had a pretty large hand, Anonymous did, in um, overthrowing the Egyptian government. Yeah, they like to topple dictators. Yes, and the reason why specifically in Egypt that really ticked them off was Mubarak shut off the Internet. And again, just like with Hal Turner, just like with Scientology, yeah, just like with, with the government, internet. you don't mess with the Internet if you don't want to excite uh, Anonymous's ire, right? Yeah. Um, and so they they helped uh, Egyptian dissidents by um, basically instructing them on how to get the internet back online there, how to set up like virtual uh, networks um, that couldn't be shut down by the government. Yeah. Some of them went to the point of just uh, communicating with these people and then turning those communications into tweets for them. And then they also disseminated video of the government. Um, carrying out violence against protesters and spread it out to the world. Yeah. They had a huge hand in, in the Arab Spring, not just in Egypt, but in Tunisia as well. Yeah, they, they've also had their hand in the the, the situation in Ferguson, yeah. uh, Missouri, um, Occupy Wall Street, um, untold amounts of uh, like police brutality cases or police cover-ups. The Steubenville rape case, that was a big one. Yeah, in 2012, a 16-year-old girl, uh, 16-year-old girl was um, sexually assaulted, and they found out, you know what, there's a cover-up going on here. So there was an offshoot called Night, uh, K-N-I-G-H-T-Sec, and they launched a crusade that said, you know what, here's what's going on here. There's a cover-up going on. Uh, and they finally um, uncovered and publicized the names of two star players on the high school football team that allegedly committed this assault that were being covered up. So it was a big deal. They basically, and, and there was a, that's a perfect example of an anonymous op, right? Mm-hmm. There's an injustice in this little tiny corner of the world where uh-huh. Ohio meets West Virginia that no one else had ever heard about, that somebody got onto the 4chan board and tell, told everybody about yeah. this, and people started saying, enough people started saying we should do something about this, and um, they, they left the message board, hit the IRC internet relay chat channels, uh-huh. right, and started communicating with one another and figuring out how to launch this attack and what to do and who to attack, and then they attacked. Yep. And and in the real world, there were repercussions. Right. And that's that's Anonymous's whole jam, is they go do something, get a bunch of headlines, and then not only did Anonymous do this, why did Anonymous do this? Who did they do it to? Oh, we should uh-huh. go look at that. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, this little tiny corner of where Ohio meets West Virginia, everybody's heard of, and everybody's heard about it in the absolute worst terms. Yeah. That's an Anonymous operation. And then all the people who, who were part of it, disbanded. Yep. But on the other hand, um, the data dump that Anonymous had about uh, about Steubenville, the rape case, um, contained a lot of unvetted facts and things like that. And a lot of people 
were unfairly treated, targeted from the doxing that resulted. So, I mean, the, I guess the point is, is Steubenville is a good example of how anonymous, um, even when carrying out some sort of moral justice, also has a, a there's an amoral dimension to it and that there's a lot of innocent people who can become casualties as a result, too. There's actually a really good Gawker article about um, Steubenville a year later. I think it was um, the town that was torn apart by what two people did or something like that. All right. So let's uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break here and we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, who Anonymous is and uh, how you can become a member <laughs> right after this. All right, so anonymous is um, it's tough to define, it's tough to pinpoint because they are hiding in plain sight. There's not you can't go to anonymous.com and and sign up for their newsletter and buy your mask in the in the store mm-hmm. and um, say I want to become a member. Just fill out this application. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You should probably not accept applications to be a part of anonymous because it's probably a setup. Yes, exactly. Uh, but there is something called Anon News, which does post information about ops. Uh, you're probably not going to, you're not going to learn too much inside real information as a casual internet browser. No, and it's more like, um, if you follow Anon News on Twitter, say, you may, like for Operation Payback, um, I think they, they listed like the Visa site or something and they said, fire at will. And, um, it was a link to the low orbit ion cannon uh-huh. and the visa website that you post that URL in. And it was a way to just get anybody involved in the yeah. DDoS thing. The problem is, is that that's, that is, that can be very dangerous. If you're just a casual person downloading low orbit ion cannon and you're just doing this because you're having fun helping anonymous and you're not covering your tracks in any way, shape or form. Uh, and the FBI comes and knocks on your door, you may be facing several years in jail yeah. because they're looking to make an example out of you. Absolutely. No, you got to do a lot of work, in fact, to even get in there. Uh, and once you find yourself um, in one of these forums where there's real information being discussed, uh-huh. you sort of need to prove your worth uh, with either ideas or specific skill or knowledge you might have. Yeah. And then you may be invited to participate in one way or another as an anon. And again, even if you are at the top of your game, at, at what anybody in the media would think of as like a member of anonymous, like one of the true, yeah. um, the long-term members who's done a lot of ops, um, you can still get busted. A guy named Jeremy Hammond was busted, uh, and got 10 years for some stuff. A guy named Barrett Brown was busted and got uh, five years for some stuff. And all, again, all of this is just computer crime we're talking about. So again, if this is really like cranking your case, just be, there's a there's a lot of repercussions to this. Yeah, um, there's there's a misconception too that um, it is uh, it's a bunch of brilliant um, uh, code writers and mm-hmm. hackers. Right. Uh, apparently, only about a fifth of anons are, are true hackers. Um, who who said that? Um, there's an anthropologist, Gabriella Coleman, actually. Um, she is an expert at Anonymous and has written several books and is in that documentary I was talking about. Yeah. 
So only a fifth are, are hackers and the rest uh, are, quote, geeks and protesters. But um, apparently you don't have to be some brilliant hacker. They will call on you if you have some other skill, if you have good ideas, if you're a graphic designer, if you're have uh, if you're a good writer, you can help put together a press release. Mm-hmm. If you're a filmmaker and you want to do these YouTube videos, there's all sorts of ways that um, you can contribute if you want to contribute and be in Anon, aside from being a coder. Um, and the idea that they're completely what's put out there is that they have no hierarchy whatsoever that everyone's equal everyone has equal footing right. there is no leader whatsoever um it is just this big amorphous group of anons that isn't entirely accurate yeah. um they may not have a president and vice president per se or a treasurer or a treasurer but um Supposedly, they do have uh, four or five people who are really good at doing what they do, so they sort of take turns emerging as the leader of a specific op, maybe. Right, exactly. But then they'll fall to the background in another, perhaps. And you become a leader, whether you want to be or not, yeah. based on your skills as an organizer. Yeah. Um, if you are just naturally somebody who can rally the troops, then you're ops are going to be the most successful because you're going to attract the most people and um, you're going to attract the guy who wants to put out like a good video for it. You're going to get the most results. You're going to get the most information, the biggest data dumps. Just naturally, that's how it happens. Yeah, and people follow, like Commander X does. did a really great job on that op, so let's listen and hear what he does next. Right, but then other people are like, well, Commander X, you need to shut your mouth because you talk to the media. Yeah. And even though you've been, you know, in, in the hacker culture since the 80s or whatever, you um, you have a loud mouth, and that's not cool for this. So on, on a message board, he could be getting... Deferential respect. Commander X is a real person, by the way. Yeah. Um, and he could be being called a poser at the same time. Right. And both of those comments have equal weight on the message board, no matter how long Commander X has been doing this. Yeah, there's a lot of duality with Anonymous. Um, some people look at him as a, as a beacon of light for those who don't have a voice. Yeah. Um, Attorney General uh, Eric Holder in 2013 said... They are a steadily increasing threat to America's economy and national security interests. Uh, people, uh, Anons will say, you know what? Don't say that because we're not, we're not stealing money. We're not robbing, uh, uh, banks digitally. Right. We're not uh, after financial gain at all. Um, we're out to expose people that are doing bad things for the most part. Right. And, but like you said earlier though, when they're offshoots, there's always going to be bad apples, I guess. Yeah, there are. I mean, like, for example, Westboro Baptist Church. They did, um, they doxed. It's where you get the, the person's personal information. Yeah. Home address, phone number, all that stuff, and post it out mm-hmm. to the masses. That's, that's tricky and dangerous. Uh, it is, but it's Fred Phelps, so nobody really shed a tear. The right. problem was they also did that to Libby Phelps, who is Fred Phelps' granddaughter, who had very publicly distanced herself from the church and denounced it and yeah. said, I don't agree with what my grandfather does or says. Yeah. She still got doxxed. And now my name's out there and my personal information. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot of, it, it, like, Lulsec is another, um, another example. They, they were, they were this group, I think of like six or seven people, um, who carried out what's commonly called 50 Days of Mayhem, where they just went crazy. They just hit whoever they wanted. Yeah. The, uh, this this business called Magnets.com got hit 
because they called their customer service reps and asked them how magnets work, and the customer service reps couldn't tell them, so they launched an operation against them. They should have uh, told them to listen to our podcast on magnets. Totally should have. I assume that our <laughs> podcast probably spurred that phone call to begin with. Sure. Right? But um, so, yeah, there are groups that do this, but then overall, if you think about Anonymous, it is they, – they do – the the ones that get the most press, the ops that get the most press, usually have the most moral dimension. It makes uh, anonymous seem the most Robin Hoody, like right. the the Ku Klux Klan dump. Yeah, that just happened uh, within the past couple of weeks. Right, and they went after the Klan and um, got uh, doxes on uh, uh, several hundred members. Yeah, and I don't think there were any huge revelations necessarily in there. Uh, there were a few. Okay, so there were some, but the point is they went after the Klan, and they basically shined a light on the idea that the Klan is still very much around. Yeah, but there were also people, I, I think there was a senator or a congressperson or something that was exposed that were like, I have never been involved in the Klan. So there this was a, is wrong. There was a separate dump that occurred before the actual one that Anonymous uh-huh. came. Because they can communicate with the media, they're able to do this. They said, that wasn't us. That's not our research. We can't vouch for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's, that's tricky business. When you're exposing people, those are real lives, um, you better make sure you've done your homework and you've gotten it right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Anonymous thinks they're getting it right. Yeah, I think they, they tend to think that, sure. Like, I don't think they're just generally going about their business willy-nilly because they want to be effective to not get a bad rap. They don't want to have anything that people can use against them, you know, to say, like, well, look what they did here. They were completely wrong. Yeah, at the same time, though, there is definitely a thread of, you know, appreciating mayhem for mayhem's sake and, and yeah. with some people who who work under the anonymous banner as well. Well, too. which is what you're going to get when you're not a well-defined, like, group with boundaries. When you're this amorphous, right. everyone is anonymous type of thing, you know, you're going to have that happen. But I think it is kind of a pretty astounding that... Despite no central authority whatsoever, it isn't just more like crazy and frenetic and just yeah. way more mayhem centric that it actually does carry out these ops that do have like uh-huh. repercussions that the average person can look at and say, I kind of agree with that. Sure. Like I agree with the outcome of this. I think somebody got their due who had it coming. You got anything else? I do. There's one last thing. So the, the name anonymous. Yeah. Came from 4chan. It did. If you log into 4chan, you can post anonymously, like you said, I think early on. The whole reason why is because that just helps the, the keep people from self-censoring because sure. you're posting anonymously. <clears throat> but then the, this joke kind of developed on 4chan that anonymous, all these people with the thing, the, the anonymous handle were really just one omnipresent person. Yeah. And that's where the, the, using that term for these ops, this group, this collective group came from. Did you ever go to 4chan? Did you check it out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've never felt so old yeah. than when, but even Reddit does that to me. I just go to. The, yeah. Oh, Reddit's definitely. I, I just look at sites too. like that and I'm just like, I don't even know where to look. Yeah. You know, I feel like an old man. For sure. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand what this means. <laughs> I'm sure this is hilarious, <laughs> but I don't understand it. Some of it's funny on its face for sure. Yeah. But others just like, yeah. I spent a little time on 4chan earlier today, just sort of looking around and. Yeah. You know, it's not my bag, but people are into it. They definitely are. Yes. Uh, you got anything else, dude? No, I thought I enjoyed this one. I thought it was good. Oh, we left out the H.B. Gary thing. What's that? <laughs> so, so in uh, a few years back, this security company named H.B. Gary 
uh, the CEO named Aaron Barr came out to the Financial Times and said, I've infiltrated Anonymous. I know who all the top guys are, and I'm going to the FBI with it. So some people in Anonymous said, let's go see what this guy's talking about, cracked into their website, found out he was totally full of it, yeah. but found a presentation that, that had all these dirty tricks for undermining Anonymous and WikiLeaks and like getting people to turn on one another and all that. So they're like, we're going to go after this guy. Yeah. Cause he was, he was publicly boasting too that he was going to take down Anonymous. Man, and that is not a smart thing to do. No. And there's actually in that Anonymous, um, documentary, uh, there's, uh, some hilarious clips from Stephen Colbert explaining what this guy did right. and equated it to he put his penis into a hornet's nest <laughs> oh, and this man. is going to turn out about the same way and it did I um, just had a physical reaction to that yeah that image so the guy the CEO ends up stepping down as CEO and like drops out of public they totally just really got the guy yeah and and really I think they yeah it was that was a dumb thing to do on his part it, but not only was it dumb for him personally it also gave Anonymous a really great opportunity to show just how you don't mess with anonymous. Yeah, you know, so that was it. That's anonymous. That's right. If you want to know more, seriously, go check out that. Um, well, every documentary you can see uh, that's over an hour and a half long is probably pretty good. <laughs> and then also, there's this. Um, there's a prezi by a person named Choi Jun Hyuk called Copy of Anonymous, which is a really great basic explainer on anonymous and how it works and functions. Yeah. By it sounds like somebody who is at least hung out with members if if isn't one himself or herself. I bet you you've hung out with a member of Anonymous. Crazy. We may have one or two in this office. You never know. My bunny's on Ben Bolin. <laughs> sure. Of stuff. But he's such an obvious choice. It's got to be somebody you wouldn't think of. stuff they don't of, want you, you know? to know. Yeah. Like, it's, is it you, Chuck? It's Yeah, it's like it's uh, Holly from Stuff You Miss in History. Right, class. yeah. She loves Star Wars and hacktivists. If you want to know more about Anonymous, also you can go type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Yeah, and speaking of mail, if you are an Anonymous member, write us. Yes. Because I want to know something. I don't know if I'm going to buy it, though, if somebody's like, I'm an Anonymous, dear Josh and Chuck. Yeah, love Gary from Gary Jones at Gmail. Right. No, but if I get some weird encrypted thing, uh, I don't know, I think we'll know. Oh, what if they like post a video to YouTube? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless it's saying like we're coming after you guys. No, I, did we do a good job? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, listener mail. What is this? Um, I'm just gonna call it from an English listener. Hey guys, I'm just an 18 year old from the UK. But you have my most sincere congratulations for running the best podcast out there. Okay. And I've listened to Serial. Oh, uh, right. Uh, your free-flowing uh, conversation style works so well, and it's always a pleasure listening to you. Uh, and you guys have to compete with British radio voices. So that's saying something. It really is, because they are classic. Having burnt through 802 episodes in seven months. Wow. Uh, I finally ended in a wonderful, spooky, spectacular. You have been there with me through breakup, six flights, eight long-distance trains, three A-levels, uh, which is... Some sort of education thing in England. I oh, I think that's um, like exams, finals. Four new jobs, one bike crash, one results day. All of this in six months? <laughs> uh, seven months. An interrail trip around Europe and a very lonely night in Brighton train station. Four jobs in seven months? You see that? Is this guy a hitman? Yeah, four new jobs. Huh. Interesting. Uh, it's been a crazy time in my life. Sounds like it. And you've been the constant that's kept me sane. So big thanks to all of you. That's awesome. I show no favoritism. 
you made it barrel. I think you're saying like between us. Yeah, I like both sure. you guys. Uh, you run an awesome podcast. Keep it up. Look forward to the next 800. Do have one question. You guys get along when the mic is off. You have fantastic <laughs> chemistry, and I've always wondered if it ever comes from your friendship or if you two are just the most professional people ever. I've gone on too long. All the best. Uh, Hector Leach Clay. Thanks. Oh, that's a British name. Uh, you guys better come to the UK for a live show. We are. Yes, and of course we get along off the air. We would not... We, You've seen our TV show. You know we're not actors. We would not be able to fake <laughs> our way through this. Chuck's been gazing into my eyes this whole episode. <laughs> yeah, if it was this not some uh, Sunshine Boys situation. What is that? Um, is that George Burns? Yeah, just go Google it, people. Sunshine Boys. Okay. That'll, it'll all become clear. Nice. Good reference. Thanks, Hector Leach Clay, Esquire, the third. Yeah, or he's Hector Leach from Clay. I don't know. Clay a place? Is it Leech hyphen Clay? Because that would be that his last a, name. That was a hyphen, but that they they uh, never they, know. They do that a lot over there. You're big on that. Yeah. Um, well, thanks a lot, Hector. We appreciate that, and thank you for not playing favorites. Isn't that the ideal human? Somebody who appreciates us both equally. Sure. Sure. So, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Tweet tweet. You can join us on facebookcom know. Book book. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Type, type. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. <laughs> <laughs>